0: Yeah, a very good morning to you. Welcome to the papers with me, Richie Allen. Tuesday morning, the uh, thirteenth. Not easy for me to say. Thirteenth of February. Tomorrow is Valentine's Day. Just dawned on me, honestly, literally. I don't buy anything for El Frogo Tremendo. El Frago Tremendo happens to be my my partner of twenty-two years. We don't do the Valentine's Day thing. We never have done. You might think, Jesus, Bolly, you don't have a romantic bone in your body. You'd be wrong. I do, but we don't do that silly Valentine's Day thing. No, we don't. Anyway, it matters not. How are you? Hope all is well. Let's go straight to the front pages of the UK Dailies without further delay. Daily Mail. We will come back to this in a moment. Headline, Kier is forced to axe Israel slur candidate. Imagine, heavens to Betsy, God forbid somebody said a slur or or, um, committed a slur. How do you say it? <laughs> slur candidate. He used, that's right. It just occurred to me. It is early. He used a slur when referring to Israel. This is actually quite creepy and sinister and dystopian. We'll come back to it. We've talked about this extensively on the Richie Allen Show. A Labour Party candidate in the Rochdale by-election. Well, Labour has withdrawn support for him because of a furore, because a stink was kicked up by Israeli lobbyists in this country after comments the guy made following the October 7th Hamas attack in Israel. We'll come back to it. So that's the lead story. It's also a photograph on the front page of the Mail of Taylor Swift kick, kissing, not kicking, kissing. Maybe she does kick him in private. Um, what goes on behind closed doors and all of that. She's kissing the guy whose name I, I can't remember. He plays for the Kansas City Chiefs. Front page of the Guardian. Same story. Labour cuts ties with Rochdale candidate over Israel Commons. Yes, also on the front page of the Guardian. Pressure on Netanyahu over Rafa offensive about a million Palestinians are surrounded by the Israeli military in southern Gaza in Rafah and we're hearing lukewarm lukewarm protests from the likes of Joe Biden in America and Sunak here and David Cameron asking Israel to proceed with caution Israel will do whatever Israel wants to do and of course there will be no punishment there will be no consequences for Israel's actions there never has been and there never will be that's The Guardian. The OI paper. Labour suspends candidate after Israel Hamas conspiracy theory remarks. The Daily Telegraph. Braverman, don't make people feel guilty for being white. This is the queen of the culture wars. The idiotic Muppeteer herself, former Home Secretary Suella Braverman. A proper moron, right? So she's talking about um, recent stories concerning the countryside, wildlife charities put out some ridiculous statement, we talked about it, where they said the countryside is racist and is not a safe space for black people. God love them. God love black people they can't go to the countryside. Of course, black people are like white people and are like people of other, you know, ethnic backgrounds. They're being used. Black people are like, well, hang on a second, I go to the countryside every weekend. <laughs> it's fine by me. So that's uh, Suella Braverman, front page of The Telegraph. It also has on the front page the Labour disowning the candidate story. Financial Times private equity bosses' shares rise by $40 billion as assets surge. You don't want to hear that. Uh, The Times will build more homes in the right places, vows Prime Minister Keir Starmer. Keir Starmer took part in a People's Questions shindig for gb news last night it was interesting i will talk about it in a moment we'll build more homes in the right places we will get home building house building back on the rails again says uh rishi sunak hmm. i come back to that the sun corey kens five hundred and fifty thousand pounds tax bill this is about poor old bill roach who has been in Coronation Street, starring in the drama since 1542. He's been in it since 15 six centuries. I don't know, I can't do my, my Mathematics is terrible. Anyway, no, he's been in it since 1960, I think. I, he earns about a quarter of a million pounds a year. I think, you know, I don't think that's as high a salary as it sounds. I know and have known one or two soap actors. They work bloody hard in soaps. They really do. But anyway, he owes her his, his Still can't get used to the jug-eared Muppet on the throne. His Majesty's customs and revenue billows nearly 600,000 quid. Hang on, Bill. Just keep delaying and delaying. Should he be dead soon enough? As the Daily Express, dementia can be predicted 15 years. By the way, Bill Roach will never die. <laughs> he is soaps Peter Pan, isn't he? Or Dorian Grey. Never going out. Bill Roach will never die. He'll still be in cardi when he's 100, 111 111-year-old Bill Roach today celebrated his 7,600 episode of Coronation Street. Right, the express dementia can be predicted 15 years before diagnosis. Wonderful if that's true. As uh, the Daily Mirror, Sarah Killer stabbed in prison. Sarah Payne. Do you remember Sarah Payne? Beautiful child. Murdered by scumbag Roy Whitting. Well, he's been stabbed and properly hurt in an attack in Wakefield or at Wakefield Maximum Security Prison. That's the lead story on the front page of the Mirror. And I know you'll be surprised when you hear me say I don't endorse any of that. I really don't. I don't. It's horrible. Keep him in prison for the rest of his life. But that's for stabbing him and I just don't agree with any of it. Um, Metro Playing Field Idiocy is the headline. Playing Field Idiocy. It is a story about a school head teacher who has not hired classroom staff who are really needed because of a private finance initiative contract and how the contract forces him to spend £30,000 a year cutting grass on the playing field. David Potter says, almost 20% of my budget is spent on the deal which helped to build the school. You see, private finance initiatives between between builders of schools, right, and private companies and um, to provide the money to build a school often contained clauses um, with contracts that would be in place for years and years and years and years. The payoff for the private companies who supported the building of the school. You get it? It's pretty awful really. And a number of talk radio programmes were discussing it yesterday. Daily Star. Tea is up the spout is the headline. Star runs a story this morning claiming that the crisis in the Red Sea, Houthi Rebels, Forcing container ships to route around the southern tip of the continent of Africa, right? Instead of going through the Suez Canal, adding two weeks to the journeys for these freight companies um, means that there's going to be a shortage of tea. Britain will collapse if there's a shortage of tea. I don't believe there will be any real shortage of tea. I believe it's just bullshit myself, but we'll see. Let us go straight to The Guardian. Like I said, this story appeared on the front page, appears even, on the front page of most newspapers today. Labour withdraws support for Rochdale candidate after Israel Gaza remarks. What did he say? That Labour should remove its its campaigning machine, take it away from him and not support him, even though he will be on the ballot as the Labour candidate. It's hilarious. Because the deadline has passed. Labour can do nothing about it now. He is on the ballot as the Labour candidate. However, if he wins this by election, he will not have the party whip and he will not sit as a Labour MP. He will be an independent. So, what's going on? The man's name is Azar Ali. Okay? He made some comments after the 7th of October attacks last year. So, he did. He basically said, I'll tell you what he said. Let's scroll down and read what The Guardian says because we know what it is he said exactly. So the Guardian um, writes, senior party MPs and members had urged the leadership to confirm that Ali would be disciplined if he won the by-election, as comments he made soon after the 7th of October attacks surfaced over the weekend. In them, in the comments, he suggested Israel had deliberately relaxed security after warnings of an imminent threat. Now, dear listener, you've been with me for years. You know the sort of bloke I am. I'm far from perfect, right? But you know that if I say something is true, I've turned it upside down, really. I've exhausted every other avenue before I believe or come to believe that something is absolutely true. I believe his comment that Israel deliberately relaxed security after warnings of an imminent threat I believe that is now irrefutable. It is irrefutable. By the admission of the Labour government, it had relaxed security. It has confirmed. It has no case to answer when it comes to that particular claim. We know that watchers, okay, soldiers with huge responsibility, mostly women, most of them, whose job it is, is to detail the movements of Hamas militants and report back to their superiors and supervisors. In the strongest possible terms, they told the IDF that something was going to happen, and it was going to happen immediately, almost immediately, that there was going to be an attack in southern Israel. And for their for doing their job, they were told if they didn't shut up, they'd be court martian. Now, I know if you listen to The Richie Allen Show, you might be tired of hearing me say this, but I I have to continue. I must continue to repeat it, because these stories keep surfacing. Labour MP to have the support of his party withdrawn because he made statements, but the statement he made is entirely accurate. It is true. Of course, it relaxed its security, and the warnings didn't just come from watchers on the illegal fence, around the Gaza Strip. The warnings came from the Egyptian intelligence, Egyptian military said, you are going to be attacked within days. They did nothing about it. They relaxed security. And of course, most importantly, we must never forget, once the Hamas attack began, the Israeli response, six hours, six hours, before anybody arrived. Think about it. Anyway, last night, the Daily Mail approached the Labour Party and said, we've listened to the entire transcript, the entire audio recording of Mr Ali, and he said a lot more. So what else did he say? Well, he said in in this audio recording, he blamed media types, people in the media, people from certain Jewish quarters, for fueling criticism of a pro-Palestinian Labour MP. That's not unfair. That might be true. So let's move on from that one. What else did he say? I know you're thinking, burn him, burn him, burn the anti-Semite, right? Not really. He said Israel planned to get rid of Palestinians from Gaza and grab the land. Well, suffering suffishags? Batman? Isn't that what is happening right now? Yes, it is. He boasted about preventing Israeli flags being flown from local public buildings after the October 7th attacks. That's a bit silly. People should fly whatever flags they choose to fly, whether we like it or not. And if people want to fly Israeli flags in support of the Israeli government and the Israeli people, I might wonder myself, why would you want to do that? But um, who am I to say they can't do it? Free speech, freedom of expression, free opinions, anyone? So this is what has happened then. It was inevitable, I suppose. You must never speak ill of Israel. You must never criticise Israel. Israel. You must never suggest that Israel would willfully and willingly harm its own people to further an agenda. Don't suggest that. Don't ask any questions. If you do, you will be destroyed. Because the Israeli lobby spends hundreds of millions of pounds in the UK each year to buy opinion. It's as simple as that. To buy opinion and also to buy, basically how do you put how do do you phrase this to ensure that heads turn the other way as israel has for seven decades you know subjected to uh as as brutalized humiliate humiliated tortured demeaned subjugated the people of gaza they have paid western democracies and senior people, the most senior people in Western democracies, to basically shut up about it and look the other way. And Mr. Ali is finding that out today, isn't he? No support from the Labour Party. It'll be interesting to see the result of that by election. Let's leave it. Let's talk about something ridiculous. Telegraph. Guinness poor with a pause, nothing more than a marketing ploy. You know, you get a point, of Guinness, dear listener. You ask for a pint of Guinness in a pub and the bar person takes the pint glass. The tulip glass, it must not be served in anything other than a tulip glass. So they pour it and they pour it two thirds or three quarters of the way up. They stop it, they put it down, they allow it to settle and 90 seconds later they come back and they top it up and hand it to you and it looks lovely. Well, a bartender has sparked controversy. By claiming that this is nothing but a marketing ploy. A marketing ploy. By the way, it's supposed to be 60 to 80 seconds. You rest your Guinness. Guinness has run these marketing campaigns for years around the resting of the point, including good things come... To those who wait, but a bartender has claimed there's no need for the pouring in two stages, and that it doesn't affect the quality or the taste. It's nothing but a marketing ploy. This has sparked controversy with publicans across Ireland and across England, saying this is a load of bollocks. It is a load of bollocks. You must pour it and then let it settle and then top it up. O'Sheen Rogers, O'Sheen, O'Sheen. I'd murder me parents. If I realized my name is Ushin, and um, the co-owner of the Devonshire in Soho, which boasts a perfect pint of Guinness, said the idea that the two stage pour is unnecessary was absolute horse shit. There you are. This debate will rumble on. More serious stories. The Times. Who sees Red Sea attacks could lead to black tea shortage? Again, we saw this on the front pages. Uh, the the Star, I think. Once considered so important to the British way of life that the government bought up nearly the entire world's supply of tea, but the humble cuppa could once again be at risk. Shoppers have been warned there is a nationwide shortage of black tea linked to Houthi attacks on ships in the Red Sea. I wonder, will this lead to panic buying? I wonder. Because there are people who can't live without tea. And by people, I mean 60-odd million people living in this crazy country. I I know coffee is popular. I know hot chocolate is also taken by some. But tea is intrinsic, isn't it? To British, to, to the British way of life. Tea. I've had people here in this house we live in, 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 in the last few years, I've, people have had to come around to do things for us. You know, flooring and plastering and painting and whatnot. Jesus, Mary and Joseph, they drink a lot of tea. You know, I never heard it. Th- 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 never no thanks have had enough. Yeah, yeah, I'll have another one. Put the kettle on. You're making a brew, put the kettle on. So it's a big deal here in the UK. Sainsbury's is warning we are experiencing supply issues affecting the nationwide supply of black tea. We apologise for the convenience and hope to be back in full supply soon. The British Retail Consortium says there is temporary disruption to some black tea lines, but the impact on consumers will be minimal as retailers are not expecting significant challenges there you are scaremongering bollocks more than 50 percent of British tea is sourced from India and Kenya and that supply chain is dependent on the Red Sea but the attacks by the Houthi rebels are causing basically detours okay you should go through the Suez Canal but now they're redirecting shipments around the Cape of Good Hope at the foot of Africa. This is increasing shipping times by about two weeks and also leading to increases in costs. This is The Papers, Tuesday morning, with me, Richie Allen, a basic bare-bones podcast. But you love it anyway, don't you? You don't? Oh well. I'll keep doing it. I'll keep doing it. 6.46, funnily enough, as I talk, as I, as I record it. And um, Times, let's stay with the Times. Deceitful doctor can return to work after truthfulness retreat. This made me laugh because I can see truthfulness retreats in the future, in everybody's future. Re-education camps. A GP who illicitly prescribed drugs for herself and her family, that bitch, has been allowed to return to work after attending a retreat to learn about the importance of truthfulness. Wow. This is Julia Piper, 66 she is. She runs a private practice, was given a nine-month ban. Nine months she was banned after she prescribed medicine for herself and two unnamed relatives over 17 years. But she then repeatedly lied about it to health regulators. Julia said she had been going through a traumatic time in her life and had been overloaded by difficult personal issues, including ill health in her family, for 17 years. (laughs) Why did you illicitly prescribe drugs for 17 years to your family? And to yourself, well, I was going through a very traumatic time in my life. Jesus wept. She's been running her surgery in the Leicester suburb of Stonygate since 95. Her suspension was lifted after she attended, wait for it, wait for it, she attended an eight day retreat and completed five sessions of a life coaching program to promote truthfulness. Can you believe that? Truthfulness. This is after the tribunal had previously described her as arrogant and dishonest. So off she was, off she popped, off she was packed to a truthfulness retreat. Imagine this in the future. Imagine they might go after people who you know, spend their time researching challenging narratives put forward by governments and by the media. And you might give an honest take on things. And they might tell you this is harmful under the Online Safety Act, that you're potentially causing harm to people. And what we might do is we might completely shut you down and kick you off the internet. But if you you attend a truthfulness retreat for eight days and have some life coaching sessions... We will restore you back to your place online with everybody else. Now, that's fanciful. What I've just said is fanciful, but you never know, do you? It sounds plausible uh, to me, even as I say it. So that was in The Times today. The Times also has a funny story about racist golfers. A lefty politician in France has um, compared golfers, has, has, has used I'll just feckin' read it. It's early. I'll read this story. So last month, Mathieu Pavon became the first French player to win on the PGA Tour since 1907. And Céline Boutier made history last year as only the third French woman to win a major championship. So there's a, a surge in popularity. Golf has enjoyed a surge in popularity in France. However, Mathilde Pannot. Mathilde Pannot. We would say Matilda, Mathilde Pannot. She's 35 and is a rising star of the radical left. Um, she compared golfing with racism. Yes. She was urging her supporters to ensure they registered in time to vote in June's European elections. So she was basically trying to get the vote out. So she says, the rich vote racists and golfers vote <laughs> and you she asked pano asked she's head of the france unbowed Party's group of mps in the national assembly check on your electoral situation stirring the culture wars she was but senior golfers and managers of golf courses came out pascal grison the president of the French Golf Federation said he was mortified at being placed in the same category as racists by Pano. The culture wars. I suppose the culture wars will grow and grow and spread and spread, won't they? Uh, This is interesting. It isn't in the papers, but it's on Sky News this morning. Sky News is reporting André Molodkin, who is an artist, Um, This guy has gathered 16 works of art by Picasso, Rembrandt and Andy Warhol and says he will destroy them if Julian Assange dies in prison. Julian, of course, WikiLeaks. Julian, who's in Belmarsh prison. The United States wants to extradite Julian Assange from the UK to the US to face charges around espionage. It's an absolute travesty, of course. Julian Assange should not be in prison. It's outrageous, right? But um, it is my belief that the UK government will eventually oversee his extradition to the states. It's terrible, right? I- I'm not the biggest fan of Assange personally, but it is an outrage that he finds himself in Belmarsh and that he could be transferred to the states. But this guy Maladkin, who has previous in you know pulling off publicity stunts. He has hooked up these works of art which are in which are in crates wooden crates he's hooked them up um in in a they're in a 29 ton safe and he's hooked them up with a pneumatic pump connected to white barrels one has acid powder the other has an accelerator that would cause a chemical reaction strong enough to turn the contents of the safe into dust So he's rigged it all up basically and he says if anything happens to julian assange i will destroy these classic and important works of art last year the guy um, took 25 copies of spare spare is the memoir of harry the duke of sussex and he covered the 25 copies of the books He, he covered them in blood because harry had said in the book that he had been involved in the killing of 25 people in Afghanistan. So this guy's a bit of a publicity hound, isn't he? But it's interesting nonetheless. Uh, The Mirror reports, here's the headline in the paper, Victorian disease warning, symptoms of rare infections that are surging in the UK. So this is another story. You know, attempting to scare people into vaccinating their children against all manner of things so it mentions measles diseases like measles were thought to have been consigned to history with sound science good public health policy access to clean water and good food seeing their numbers dwindle but the mirror says in recent years some of these diseases have made a startling comeback with measles on the rise and at highest levels since Um, at highest levels in decades. So they quote Dr. Deborah Lee uh, from something called Dr. Fox Online Pharmacy, who says it's a shocking state of affairs that the UK is now seeing diseases which were, until recently, only present in the history books. And amazingly, it goes on to say that diphtheria is on the way back, tuberculosis is on the way back, and even rickets and scurvy have been detected. Uh, what next? The grip? Will the grip make a comeback? So this is very interesting. and uh, You know, and the conclusion to the article is, you know, everybody needs to check their vaccination statuses and rush off to the nearest clinic and have some more vaccinations. That's in the mirror. No thank you, I say. And we're going to finish with this in the mail. It's in the mail today, and the digital editions of some newspapers are covering it too. So I mentioned that Rishi Sunak took part in a live programme on GB News last night with a studio audience, right, full of voters. There will be an election this year. And he fielded questions from the audience. Stephen Dixon, who presented breakfast for Sky News for years, he's now a GB News presenter. Dixon was the compare. And he had the usual questions about immigration and about house building and all of that. And then he was confronted by a man who asked him about vaccine injuries. Rishi Sunak confronted over COVID vaccine as man who suffered drastic side effects tells him to look into his eyes and see his pain. As the Daily Mail describes it as a fiery exchange. The man's name is John Watt. He got his chance to, to, to question Sunak He says, I want you to look into my eyes, Rishi Sunak, and I want you to look at the pain, the trauma and regret that I have in my eyes. We have been left with no help at all. I am not the only vaccine injured. There is another man over there whose life has been ruined by the COVID-19 vaccine. I know people who have lost legs, amputations, people with heart conditions like myself, Rishi Sunak. Why have I had to set up a support group in Scotland to look after the people that have been affected by that vaccine? Why are the people who are in charge, who told us all to do the right thing, have me and the tens of thousands of people in this country have told us to rot? Why are the people who are in charge, who told us all to do the right thing, why have they left us to rot, basically, he says. Look me in the eye, he said again, when are you going to start to do the right thing? He said the vaccine damage payment scheme is not fit for purpose. In Scotland right now, there are over 30,000 people who have had an adverse reaction to the vaccine. Time for you to do the right thing, he said to Sunak. So you might think that's bombshell stuff. But Sunak simply said, I'm sorry to hear about it and your personal circumstances and that others have suffered or others have had a similar thing. I don't know about the individual circumstances, said Sunak, that you are in. When he said that, the vaccine injured man interjected by saying, we have been silenced, Rishi, silenced. Sunak said, there is a vaccine compensation scheme in place. Obviously, it is difficult for me to comment on an individual case. I'm very saddened and shocked to hear that you have been silenced. Of course, you should be able to speak about what has happened to you, and we have a compensation scheme in place. The problem then, and you know I've been a presenter now of radio since 1998, the problem then is is that the host, Stephen Dixon, didn't follow up it was the host's duty after Sunak's exchange with Mr. Watt. The host should have said, Are you concerned about what Mr. Watt said and about claims that many thousands of people may have been injured by the COVID jabs, Mr. Sunak? Are you not worried about that? Do you think we might need to maybe have an inquiry into the effects the, the adverse effects of the COVID jabs because I myself am hearing from a lot of people who claim they have been badly injured by the COVID jabs. So maybe this is not maybe a an isolated thing, Mr Sunak. What do you think? So that is exactly what should have happened. The host should have said, well, let's stay with this for a minute. But he didn't, of course. He, I, I've watched it this morning. He moved on very swiftly. GB News, mainstream alternative media, You're never going to... I'll leave it there, I'll leave it there. You know what I'm saying in any case, okay. So, Mr. Watt was right, he was completely right, he was well within his rights. God love him and well done to him. Well done to uh, Mr. Watt, but he was left down badly by Stephen Dixon, who should have said, that's a very strong claim, Mr. Sunak, that thousands of people have been injured by the jabs. Do you need to look again at these jabs, the efficacy of them, the safety of them? But Dixon didn't. Dixon just moved on. Nothing to see here. Please disperse. You've been listening to The Papers. And thank you for listening to it. The Richie Allen Radio Show will be live at 4 o'clock this afternoon, live and interactive. I hope to speak to you then. Enjoy the rest of Tuesday. Bye for me.